Hi guys, welcome back to The Right Type. In today's episode, I speak with Kim Johnson, the author of This Is My America. We discuss the importance of black pain narratives, her favourite historical figures, as well as her inspiration for writing her book. I love speaking with Kim. She's so amazing and so intelligent, and I hope you enjoy. Kim, just introduce yourself to everyone. Tell us about you and your book and everything. So thank you so much for having me. Um, So I'm Kim Johnson. I'm the young adult author of This Is My America. It's my debut that comes out July 28th, 2020. And essentially this book is, um, it's really been pitched as the hate you give meets just mercy. So um, one of my other favorite things to share pretty much about the book is that often people think it's really just focused on thinking about mass incarceration and the impact of um, the death penalty, but it's also a big mystery and it's a story about family and um, I'm excited for it to come out. I'm so excited for it as well. I think it's one of my most anticipated books like ever because I love books about (laughs) this type of thing and actually one of the questions that I was going to ask, I'm going to ask it now, uh, is like what do you think about the importance of stories about black pain yeah i mean i think it's really important um to to talk about especially when you write a book in the way that i wrote um my book is that you know there's a lot of criticism about anyone who writes stories that have that show basically the the harm that happens to um the black community black people um but what i really see in the work that i do and what i'm trying to do is that Racism doesn't stop. Um, in particular, thinking about the issues that, that I write about in my book, um, really connecting to the criminal justice system wasn't built um, wasn't built for Black people. It was it was built in a way that was connected. It actually was built for Black for Black people. It was really transcended from slavery. And when slaves were free, then they needed a free labor system, and our criminal justice system. Um, pretty much replace that and so um, you know when I write my story and I think about my story and I think about folks um, other black black authors that, that write different kinds of genres different kinds of topics um, really it comes from they want a space for their stories to be told too um, and there hasn't been a lot of space for that because trauma sort of the like you know looking at the white gaze and thinking about trauma is something that um, people, white people in general, I think, tend to lean into those stories because it feels just so extreme to them, something that they you know, can't necessarily imagine. And I think other authors that write stories about fantasy or just want to escape or do something around black girl magic or other kinds of things sort of look at um, stories like my story or other kinds of stories that you know talk about Black Lives Matter or um, injustices and and they feel like they want their story to be told too um but for me how i see it is that racism exists and um we can't not tell the story of things something that actually reaches millions and millions of black people um every day and so when i wrote the story i also really tried to be very careful not to um add components of gaze, so, you know, wanting to be real with the story, still wanting to have the, the grit and rawness, um, the pain that occurs, but, like, not not have that be the driver, not have that happen necessarily on the page when something happens. It's sort of stuff that happens off the page. And just really try to focus the story around strength and being, being 
honest in creating a whole story of Tracy and how I try to do that is that she has other things that she's interested in. There's a love triangle in my story. Um, you know, her, her trying to help her brother and her father aren't the only thing that makes up who she is. And so I think when we write stories and, and black authors write stories, um, we all need to lean into the importance of whatever story that we're trying to tell, but that we're telling a full picture of that person so that they're not a caricature or they're not this sort of other thing but they're like a real life human living on this planet um trying to find joy trying to live freely so that's an amazing answer and actually just adding to that i think that all stories by black people are valid and i really hate how there's this narrative that's kind of happening now where people are like oh we don't want any stories about um what's the word they use um they say pain and everything but like i don't know people are like minimizing the importance of stories like that mm-hmm. talk about black trauma and we're not done talking about them like we're not done telling no. every aspect yeah. of it and it's so irritating like um my book is about um institutional racism mm-hmm. and my second book is about uh police brutality in the uk and mm-hmm. how black people are dying in the uk and it's often undocumented um and people kind of I understand not wanting to consume more trauma especially as every day being a black person is quite traumatic um but I think it's so important because especially as a person as a person I am I know a lot of people say they love escapism I like to when I'm looking for books and books I want to read it's always books that I can see myself in and I want to yes. get the way of articulating it when I was a teenager I liked pain books because I wanted someone to articulate my pain for me because I had I didn't have the words basically I didn't have the language so I think your book is so important that's exactly how that's exactly how I feel um I lean like what I read what I write when I write I love it I love young adult um and it's that feeling of sort of like coming of age and discovery and still having like hopeless I mean having um just like a, a, a huge vast feeling of wanting to feel hope and possibilities and so that's why I love that particular um you know age group to write about but then I'm also a huge person who studies nonfiction and looking at history and and politics um and you know when I look at books for young adults trying to understand all the things that are happening I think you need stories that allow you to escape and allow you to like have other narratives but I think you also need something to help explain what's happening because if you look at the issue of why folks are really you know um you know don't want to support stories that deal with and i actually don't like the term black pain i Mm -hmm. think um i think it's erasure um to use to use that um terminology especially as a black person writing about black people and the things that are um impacting black people but i use it because it's the it's the term that people people are using um, so they understand what i'm talking about but um the issue isn't about writing about these topics the issue is that we actually haven't had an opportunity to write from our own voice so the exhaustion of these stories aren't for me it's it's if you look at the root it's not because um Black folks have just only want have only been telling this story, and that's only that's getting pubbed. Is that a lot of books that have gotten press or a lot of movies? I, I actually see it more in, in movies, film, and, and television. Is that black folks actually aren't writing the narrative? They're not writing from their story, and the ones that are being picked up are ones that aren't um, 
that are written actually by non-black people. Like if you look at the help or if you look at other, you know, kinds of stories, then they're the ones not being told. And so, um, I, I actually have a really hard time with fantasy. And I think part of it is because I really want to dig into, like, it has to apply to me. Like, Mm -hmm. like life seems like there's so many things going on. It has to apply to me. I also know that it's also because I never saw myself represented in fantasy. And so I just have had absolutely no connection. Like I have no connection to, Harry Potter, Harry Potter. I know it's blasphemous, right? For a lot of people, but I have like no desire or interest. And I know it's because it's like this has this has nothing. There's nothing black in it at all. There's, there's nothing I can feel like I can escape to. And so that's why I'm so excited at all the new books that are coming out by black Me authors too. across the diaspora because yes. now I feel like I actually could fall in love with fantasy and sci-fi, these other. Um, books that I just haven't um, jumped into, but I think we all need to be supporting each other. And so I bought like every, every book that's been by a black author, that's fan- I don't read fantasy, I buy it. I, you know, like it's sitting on my shelf or it's in my Kindle and it's because I know one day I'll either get to it or someone else will get to it or like I just need people to know that people want these books. And so I, I want the same for me in my book because I, and your book too, your book sounds amazing. Um, and especially, you. you know, hearing more about racism in the UK and police brutality in the UK, um, because we just don't hear about those stories. And we have young people who are experiencing it every day. And the only one who's telling them about their story is watching it from the white gaze from the news. Exactly. Um, and, and we have to split that narrative. And so I just embrace it. And I, you know, one day I might write just like a straight up love story, but it's still going to have to deal with race because um, it's still going to be black. So, <laughs> so something's going to go down. Um, but, you know, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I feel like that there's so many stories that haven't been told. And, um, you know, I, I always will be careful as best as I can and I always try to do the best job that I can, but, um, I think it's just some these stories have to be told and I don't want someone else telling these stories, someone who is not black telling these stories. I want us 100%. Um, to be the ones who are, who are telling these stories. So, yeah, exactly. And I'm just, I'm so excited and I'm so happy that you're also here because I just, I sometimes feel so alone, you know, like everybody's yeah. shouting, like, we don't want black pain anymore. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it can be painful to be black. And I think teenagers, so many teenagers are in pain. Like they need, a lot are looking for the, for the language. They just want to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I remember being 16 and not knowing I was black and just, you know, there's a, there's a moment where every black kid kind of realizes they're black. Like I had the experiences and I had people treating me badly and having the racism but I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So it's so important. And you just said so many amazing things there. I also hate the word black pain. I think it mm-hmm. trivializes it and makes it into this, this yes. thing, right? I just, I don't understand it. I'm like, and I, I love yeah. to support everyone and we all should be able to come to the table and tell the story we want to tell. And I'm the same as you. I don't like fantasy. <laughs> I find it mm-hmm. hard to connect with the world. I don't really care about world building. And um, yeah, I don't care about Harry Potter. Um, so yeah, we're like sisters, we are. Oh, but there's so many amazing fantasies coming out by black authors. Like, I read um, The Gilded Ones by Namina Fauna, it's so good. On my bedside right now, oh, it's so good. I just started the first couple chapters, and um, 
you know, and I'm so excited. I mean, I just have the stack. Like, I, I Kingdom of Souls. I haven't read that yet. But that's just like on, on my bit. I mean, there's just so many books. Um, but I think as a writer, it's also for me. It's so hard to dip into, like, when I'm writing, I like to read. I like to read a ton of nonfiction. Okay. And, and YA when I'm, um, reading because when I need my my brain to balance and my and just the the like to the facts the you know. Um, I like to be accurate with um, portrayal and understanding history and understanding where things come from. Help me. That's how I do my world building is understanding the context in the situation. Um, and when you're busy, you just don't have time to jump into it. But like I've had this commitment. So um, I know that right. Currently, we are in the state of um, shelter in place and, and being remote. And so um that's what I'm super excited about is that I actually have a little bit more time to um, jump into things that I haven't, I haven't read yet. So that's super exciting. Um, same. And actually I wanted to ask you about your publication journey. I always love asking everyone cause no one's story is the same. So could you just take us through that? Yeah. So uh, I, I never consider myself a writer. Like I'm one of those people that, um, you know, my experience growing up, you know, I had strong people around me who told me that I could do anything that I wanted to do, but that's a very different experience than actually sort of living yourself as a student and a young person and, and how your teachers are talking to you and, and you actually thinking about what, what's possible for you. And so writing was never my strength. It was something I always um, tried to, you know, divert or find other ways or take other courses. Um, or just never really feeling confident. So I just would not focus on getting better as a writer, but I've always been a storyteller, like, you know, oratory, um, you know, being able to like hear the words, you know, more so than writing the words um, and, and being very imaginative. So I see stories like visually. So I'm constantly breaking down, you know, concepts and stories. My husband, he, he, I drive him crazy just like we're watching a show and then I'm like, oh yeah, they totally did it. And I totally ruined it for him because it's just like I break the stories down. And so I, I totally had all of the like other qualities and skills as a writer, except for actually writing down the words. And, um, I started writing at 32. So I'm 41 right now. Um, I, just decided I wanted to write down um, a dream that I had because I have very vivid dreams um, and just started like writing and just like slowly for about two years uh, fell in love with writing, fell in love with, with storytelling and being able to get lost in my head. Um, and so, you know, my journey when I first started writing my first book, I never thought that I would ever do anything traditionally like traditional publishing or be published by random house right now like that was never that was never a thought it wasn't even a dream you know like it wasn't even like a thing that that I thought about I just thought like I'm gonna write a book and I'm gonna learn about like what the book world is like um and then I'm gonna like go on Amazon and like figure out how to make my own cover and and like just publish it on Amazon you know and it wasn't until I started spending more time on Twitter and learning like Twitter basically was like my 
it was my I got had a PhD in, in publicity via Twitter um, because there was just so many resources and reading diverse books um, was you know becoming more prominent and I started to all of a sudden feel like I could do it so it was a, just a journey of writing my first book and then after querying and learning more about the industry I started writing a second book and it wasn't until my second book that I thought like actually, I think I'm good at this. And I, you know, I feel like I, I, you know, there's, there's something, um, just natural with what I'm doing and I can bring something really different to the current table that I think my students, I work with college students and some, you know, seniors in high school. Um, I felt like that particular population was who I was, you know, like they would want to read the kind of stuff that I was writing. And so, you know, I really began to be serious about trying to pursue finding an agent and learning more about the industry. And it was this third book that I wrote, This Is My America, that um, actually helped land my agent and um, publisher and, and now really kick off my journey where I, it's interesting to look back and think like, wow, you know, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad I never stopped trying to write late in life um because I think it could have been easy for me to to think like I already have a career this is not something I'm actually good at um and and I think that's probably one of my my proudest 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 moments proudest thing that I've ever done is just pursuing writing and and being where I'm at today so that's amazing and actually what you said about Twitter is just so true I think that every writer I mean not everybody um, likes Twitter or wants to kind mm-hmm. of be in that world, understandably. But um, I feel like Twitter just um, gives you free education about the writing industry and um, mm-hmm. you learn so much so quickly, I feel, and when you're kind of immersed in it. So I do recommend that. And um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. It was such a nice story. And it's just like really nice to hear that, you know, no matter what, like where you are in life, um, you should always just pursue what makes you happy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. And I was wondering what your inspiration was for actually writing uh, This Is My America. Yeah. So it was around 2015. Um, I'd already, you know, I'd worked on, you know, two books. They were all diverse stories. I, I write with black protagonists and diverse cast characters, um, you know, for all the books that I write. And I write thrillers and mysteries. So that's, that's where my dark stuff. So that's where my core of writing is. Um, that's my criminal mind, my sort of like thinking. Um, and, and the core of my writing has always been around like what's just and what's right. So like I want a protagonist who there's a, there's something wrong and they are like dogged to like get it right. And so I love the stories that that are like that and so um but I was starting to grow as a writer and I was very active I'm so I'm active I'm involved in um community organizations have been you know since I was like in middle school um active in NAACP and you know other you know sorts of organizations and and in my role at a university my students so I I mentor lots of black students um in in different various uh, black student organizations uh, in my role as a you know university administrator, and uh, they just were very active and vocal. They were activated um, around Black Lives Matter. So you know Ferguson, 
occurred and um, students were protesting at um, high schools and universities all around the country. Um, and I started to just think about my writing more and more about what am I really trying to do. Um, and I played around with a story and it was at the moment that um, uh, Jason Reynolds was it was announced that he was going to have um, all American boys come out, and then Angie Stone had, um, you know, had started to pitch the Hate You Give, and then the Hate You Give um, was coming out. It was before it was coming out, and so I actually stopped writing the story that I was writing because I was like, ah, Jason's got it. <laughs> you know, like, well, I don't even try. And it was one of those like because there can always only be one. You know, I think that that's where a lot of us black writers are like, oh, we can never write. A story because like the industry just doesn't leave space for people to write all the different kinds of stories so I kind of dropped the story for a while and it wasn't until I picked back up um, Just Mercy from Brian Stevenson and again like I you know shared before is I love I love nonfiction um, you know I just love you know, I love that sort of like understanding of of issues and, and academics and real ex experiences and um, the truth around people and I just resonated so much with with the way that he was telling the story it felt really core to my social justice um, mentality and and the kind of work that I was doing with students and you know I've had students who um, were really active in going black students were really active in going into um, um, the local um, state penitentiary for reading programs with other black um um, members who were inside the system um, and so you know when I read his story I started to think about um, how I can be a vehicle so in my in my work and and how I you know chosen my profession I've always found myself as like I feel like I'm a vehicle for change or I'm a vehicle to sort of like help move things forward and I really started to all of a sudden just think about this what, what would it look like if there was actually the daughter of someone who was wrongfully incarcerated um and and I started to see that there was a space for me to write this story because so much of the conversation at the time in 2015 and 2016 and you know even up to now actually this year has been incredible with the work around innocence um innocence work around the country but before that it really was was um focused on um the impact of police brutality and um there's such a wide range of our system so our, our, our you know criminal justice system and so i wanted to write a story of sort of the, the extreme end so there's a sort of the first interaction of like how do you how do you actually get into the system when you have to you know have an interaction but something occurs or something occurs to you and that you have interaction with the police and then you are you're then into the system um and so i wanted to tell the sort of the, the extreme end of the story of like what would happen with someone who went through the entire system and what our system when it's supposed to be you know innocent until proven guilty is that the same for black people? And and it's not. Um, and and that's where I pulled in a lot of the, the research around the innocence work, Equal Justice Initiative by Brian Stevenson, the Innocence Project, um, works of um, uh, lots of research and, and law um, programs that are focused on, on wrongful incarceration, just looking at the data and really trying to unpack and understand where where our system was created and how it's so threaded 
it's not just a justice system. It's so threaded with the perception of guilt and innocence and who gets who gets a second chance, who gets the benefit of the doubt, who gets to have access to um, a legal, uh, legal representation that actually can help the investigation process to prove their innocence. And so, uh, sorry, this is like a long answer <laughs> um, to, to why I started to write. I am a bit of a rambler, but um, this is a, sort of a long description. And that's really where I, where I started coming from in writing the stories. I wanted to write what would be the experience of like a young girl who this, this happened to her um, in terms of her father, what is her life like not having her father in her life? And what is her life like um, trying to keep everything together and still trying to have dreams, still trying to be an agent um, in her life and, and connecting the truth around what's happened with our criminal justice system is that once you're in the system, you know, you are two, three, four, five times more likely to have a family member go through the system. And so that's where the story of her brother comes in where um he refuses to be caught up in the system for something that um that something that he is being accused of because he saw what happened to his father so so yeah that's where that's the long version <laughs> of where my where my story where my story came from that's just amazing and um it's such an important story to tell as you were saying i feel like there's been such a focus on um police brutality and not so much um especially in YA I mean and not so much um the incarceration rates and um like the the biases and how it affects black people and how it's like um generational trauma just so much and it's so important and um even in the UK here we have like just the the, the way the justice system works, it has different roots, obviously, because in America it was built um, as kind of a neo-slavery. But mm-hmm. in the UK, the justice system existed, but now it's been used to exploit and uh, take black young black youth and um, it's used to often torture them and everything. So it's like, it's just interesting, the parallels and that, but yeah such an important book and i'm so glad you wrote it and what you said about the there can only be one syndrome type thing oh god mm-hmm. i felt that so much you know when you see another black author write something and you're like will they allow me to do that too and yeah, um, yeah. you know white authors it's don't have to really think that hard. honestly yeah, it's, it's so just... awful and jason reynolds is amazing but like there's not just him you know like all of us can do it. And I think we all do it in such unique ways. I love the way mm-hmm. Nick Stone wrote her book and it was so different from mm-hmm. Angie's and the way Jason writes yeah. his books. We all need yeah. a voice in this. Um, yeah. Cause we're all experiencing and we all deserve to tell our own story. Yeah. And I love Angie and Nick's relationship oh, yeah. um, because they're so supportive of each other because I think it's easy, you know, to have that crabs in a barrel kind of, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, persona, which has just been, just been a terrible you know um a thing to do we should be a community and pulling together um and i just love their their dynamic and they support each other and um you know the way that they the way that they just amplify and support each other and, and nick has actually she's reached out to me she's been really supportive um which i love you know i love seeing that because i'm just such a community person and so when i see that in other people um you know it just makes me feel good about about the 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 community that we have here so no nick is amazing Uh, she just looks after black debuts and like 
black people in general. She's just such a wonderful mm-hmm. human being. So is Angie. Yeah. Like, I'm so happy to have um, these women kind of just be mm-hmm. the head of the community. And I see the, like, New York Times bestseller list and I see how many black people are just, like, you know, leading YA. And I'm so happy. Yeah, it feels so good. Down <laughs> <laughs> forever. Now we're just going, we're not letting go. We're going to be on that list forever. <laughs> exactly. They don't like to see it, but Never it's going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> uh, what are three books that changed your life? Oh my gosh. Why are you asking this? Sorry. Can I come up with only three? <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. How can I think about it? Well, just mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, this, uh, this will be one. Just Mercy slash The New Jim Crow. Um, both of those books just, uh, you know, they, they help connect the thread for me. Um, and, you know, I, and when I say the thread, um, you know, often that there's current issues that are happening, and I'm really into politics. I pay attention to a lot of um, political conversations and the way that people talk about race. And, you know, one of the things that is that people aren't connecting the thread, um, you know, they just, they'll say things like, oh, slavery was so long ago, um, you know, I, you know, you have just as much of a chance as I do, and it's because there's a lack of understanding the thread in our history, and so I'm such a proponent, anything I do, I always want to connect the thread, so that, that, that um, changed my thinking. Um Early on, I think um, W.E.B. Du Bois, The Souls of Black Folk, was one of the first sort of early reads that I that I did where I started to get an understanding of um, double consciousness, um, the concept of double consciousness of being, you know, a, a, a black person in a in white America, and you know, me and my sisters when we would talk about um, uh, his work, we would always see triple consciousness because we have African we have African roots of having a parent who's African but raised in the US and so sort of having this understanding of the you know being a black person because I, I self-identify as black um, in America but having to sort of face these other experiences and so that was really um, transcending for me and then um, the third the third book, so there, none of it's going to be, because I have such a long list, but I always look to like what sort of like brought me here. Um, one of my favorite books um, was The Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl um, about Sojourner Truth. And, um, you know, I think that that story was so powerful to me. And again, it was one of those early reads that I, that I had, and it's a, a true story. And it was the, the Anne Frank story for me. Um, you know, it was just a story. I think there was so, so much hardship in that story, um, but it was just so much hope, hopefulness in it, and just the ability for someone to go go beyond. Like you can go through all these horrible things and still survive. Um, and I like survival stories. I like, you know, I think it just gives me, you know, gives me strength. So all those are kind of like my nonfiction. I'm sorry, I I focus on that <laughs> that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love YA. Um, I've got tons of you know favorite YA, but if I think about like my core, where I come from, I would say it's those those kinds of books. So actually, like it's interesting you say that because um, 
like the book that changed my life was a non-fiction book as well it was um the autobiography mm-hmm. of malcolm x um yeah like yep. i remember reading it when i was like 15 and like that's around the time when i started to realize hold on like okay there's something else going on here like um, i'm definitely mm-hmm. experiencing something because of something so i picked it up i don't know i don't know why my sister calls that era of my life before that time white for reader and um uh-huh. i was in this i was in a sunken place i was like literally i was in the pits of hell um and something told me to go to the bookstore and pick up this book i don't know what it was may have been god and i picked it up and i was just like i remember reading it and just crying and um malcolm x is like one of my favorite historical figures i'm actually going to ask you next about that um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah so nonfiction is where like i found books that i felt really really, um, change my life and also I love what you said about hope and survival I think a lot of people minimize black pain books to just being about trauma and trauma porn but actually Mm -hmm. what I've noticed in a lot of them is that there's a lot of hope and it's a survival story often um, Mm -hmm. often and there's a lot of it doesn't just give you trauma and then end there and not give you any resources to move on and like find healing Jason Reynolds, yeah. Nick Stone, Andy Thomas, they all, all of their books, they have hope in them. And yeah. um, it doesn't just leave teenagers with their trauma. It gives them the tools. So, yeah, it yeah. gives them agency. Exactly, yeah. So um, I love what you said there because I think all of these books, they're about survival and being a black person in America, surviving. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I love that spin on it. And um, could you just tell me your favourite... Uh, historical figure it's a really rude question because obviously there's so many but who's your favorite historical figure oh gosh um let me think let me think let me think i love malcolm x too um and oh let's see oh there's so many i mean i think that there's just been so many prominent um people who have done just who have, I, I like movement people, so I, maybe I'll just sort of narrow it down. I like people who uh, who inspire people, who have that sort of special um, beacon to it, where you can almost hear it in their voice. Like, so if you think, like, if you think about Malcolm X, if you think about Martin Luther King, um, you sort of hear that, hear it shake in their voice. Like, there's something, there's something special about them that can can draw you. Um, you know, to be, you know, a leader um, in that. I'm really focused on thinking about um, during the civil rights era, um, you know, as, you know, historical figures who've done, you know, different kinds of things. I think a present day person um, who does that for me is is um, probably everybody's, but um, Barack Obama, um, you know, because he just had, a, you know, he just inspired hope in a way. And I think that there's, you know, people will look down um, not along the line years from now um, to him, you know, for that. Um, I love figures that were, you know, people that we don't know a lot about. Like, so, for example, like, if we're to go out of, like, some of the movement people, um, you know, if you look at Billie Holiday, I love, I love Billie Holiday. I think Billie Holiday is such an interesting um, figure uh, because there was so, she was, um, you know, she she was someone who actually was going against going against society during that time, and was actually very vocal about racism and issues of race. Um, and she was actually harassed in her life, and a lot of people don't know that some of her her um, you know her problems with the drug use and other kinds of things 
um, were part of the harassment that she was experiencing. Um, and I just think that, you know, during that time, you know, she ran, she ran away, what you could say the term of running away from the U.S. to abroad to experience something different. And so um, I think that sort of like that time period of folks leaving, leaving the U.S. to go explore other, um, you know, places like James Baldwin and, you know, other sort of writing figures, um, you know, I think that they, you know, I connect to them and thinking about uh, being historical figures because they, you know, they wanted to expand and understand their identity outside of what they were being told that they were. And I think that there's something just so inspiring about not just sort of accepting what people tell you that you are, but really trying to search and find that within themselves. Um, yeah, I'm cut, you know, I can't, there's, there's, a lot. I should have thought about this <laughs> this question, um, you know, a little bit more. I probably would, would have had, you know, probably a different kind of answer. But that's sort of what I can think of right now. So that's a brilliant answer. And actually, um, I remember you said that you are like your parents are African. Uh, where are they from? So my mom is from Zambia, Lusaka, Zambia. Um, and me and my sister we came here when we were we came to Oregon, so that's where I, that's where I grew up, Oregon, which is a very white state, and a state that um, actually had you know in their you know, constitution not to allow black folks in their in their states. So there's lots of interesting racial dynamics. It's, and the city is one of the whitest cities in the whitest urban city in the country. Um, and so I came here, you know, when I was five years old, and I really I don't know much about you know my you know, my, my mom's culture and background and stuff. So I've always felt like I'm an outsider in between because I, you know, for my African relatives, you know, they're like, ah, you're just American. <laughs> <laughs> and from, you know, from, you know, a, you know, American, it's like, oh, you know, you're not really black, you know? So, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting being all cultures. I think what it's done for me is that, um, not being fully accepted in any sort of community um, makes has actually made me be accepted in a lot of communities because I can understand different environments in, in different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I understand I understand the immigrant experience. I understand, you know, even beyond you know, you know, African friends and. Um, that I have just across all cultures because there's something, there's a different kind of experience about being an immigrant, growing up as an immigrant. You can sort of pick up those threads, even if the culture isn't exactly like yours. And so, you know, that has helped me in, and I think navigating the world as even like first, third, second, third generation person here. And then early on just being identified with, um, with the black American experience and growing up here and how broad that, how broad the understanding and the experiences and definition of that particular, you know, community is and sort of that sort of be my home where I, you know, all my involvement and engagement and sort of with, you know, black organizations, organizations that support historical black colleges and, you know, mentoring black students involved in black student unions, um, you know, for it and then having, you know, white, you know, white relatives and, you know, white community and stuff. And so, you know, I'm, I feel, um, I feel like my world has been able to be so opened up because I'm someone who had, who has seen a lot of different cultures and experiences. Um, and one day, you know, my mom's like, where's our story? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, mom. <laughs> one day I'll write, one day I'll write a story about, you know, uh, 
uh, immigrant kid, you know. <laughs> um, but she she won't want to read that story anyway. She's like, ah, it'll be too much. It'll be too judgmental. I, I couldn't <laughs> take it from my mother. It would just and the relatives. It just wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be the story that they would want to read. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> oh, that's so um, funny, and I can't wait to um, read that book one day when you you decide to write it. You know, my cousin is. Um, um, Namuala Serpel, who wrote The Old Drift, um, okay. and that's a generational story, and so I tell my mom, I'm like, just read her book. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to read my book, but yeah, I, I, I actually would really, really be excited um, I've had this story floating in my head, because I have, I have two sisters, and, you know, we all are, are different, but very similar, and, um, you know, we connect to, you know, having an African parent in a life in a lot of different ways. Um, we've all, you know, married someone who's um, black American and that's sort of been our like common thread, but I would love to tell an immigrant story of sisters who basically are trying to find themselves mm-hmm. and thinking about those early years where just trying to figure out who I am and where I'm accepted and knowing that me and my sisters all had a different way that we like how we got to a place of understanding of who we are and what our identity is. Um, even if other people maybe didn't want to accept that being our identity. And so I would love to tell a story about sisters. <laughs> so one day, one day I'll write that story. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. And um, yeah. the next question is, if you could have dinner with any author, alive or dead, who would you pick and why? Oh, I would pick Maya Angelou. Yes. Yeah. And then I'd probably just sit next to her and just cry. Like, I feel like she, I feel like, I feel like she, I feel like she would just bring that all out of me. And I'd be like, oh, Maya. <laughs> she would be the one. She would, she would be the one. What about you? I'm so curious about you. Oh, definitely James Baldwin. Oh, yeah. He'd be another good one, too. I love yeah. him so much. And also yeah. Maya or Tony yeah uh-huh. there's so many good mm-hmm. options <laughs> yeah yeah totally and um the last question is what is your favorite quote from your book so um it was so hard it was so hard as you know <laughs> to think of what is that perfect quote but um this is one that uh tracy's brother jamal says that i think sort of like pulls everything into um to what i you know what i was trying to write with this book and it starts off with 400 years and we still ain't American to them tea um, all that blood we built America luckily we're built the greatest nation in the world for free they ripped us from our family then and they do it again with new laws this guy's change I'll be in prison doing that labor for free and I think that 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 you know is a longer than one sentence but you know that sort of um, short story is really what I was trying to um, tell us make the connection of our criminal justice system and free labor and how that has transformed into um, it being legal and then it being illegal and then trying to to create a new way of making it legal so I love that I love that section that was so beautiful thank you for, so much for sharing and thank you so much for being on my podcast today I loved speaking with you could you just tell us about like where we can find you on social media and yeah, Twitter, Instagram, website stuff. Yeah, so my website, my Twitter, my Instagram, it's all KC Johnson Writes. Okay. So you can find me on all those. Try to make it easy for you. <laughs> Thank you. And do you have any last words? 
to share? No, I'm, yeah, I just, I think there's thank you for the time. Thank you for folks um, listening in. Um, you know, I want folks to, to read this book and I want folks to like read it a couple times <laughs> and, and read the resources. So in the back of the book, I actually provide um, an author, um, author's note and some additional resources and I think for folks that really want to learn more about this particular topic there's there's tons of, of resources um, and I think that you'll find it rich with lots of different angles that folks can take on so that's what I would leave you with. 